Sometimes you guys mess me up, you know, Ryan. Uh, if you are 12 and under and you want to head back to uh, Camp Pointway, you are free to go. If you're older than 12, you've got to stick it out with me. So that's good. In case you were wondering, I did get on the water this week. Dave James and I spent a lot of time on the water. We had lots of adventures. Uh, we caught some fish. I got some sun. Life is good. Yeah. So in case you were wondering, thank you all for welcoming him. And uh, it's always nice um, as a pastor when you have friends come and visit how the church responds. And he felt very welcomed here. He felt warm here. He says, um, he said a lot of nice things about you, but don't worry. I straightened him out. I said, no, Dave, you don't know what it's really like day in and day out. No, I'm just kidding. No, I have nothing bad to say about you. I'm all great folks and really appreciate that. So thank you from Dave James on. I'm also excited this morning because we are going to start a new series. I love working through series. Now, you know, PJ has been doing Philippians and everything runs through Philippians. In fact, I would have been surprised this morning if she didn't quote it at least once because that's just, believe me, everything she talks about. I told her I was doing on the book of Colossians. She goes, oh, hey, Colossians and Philippians is very close. And I said, well, it's actually more closer to Ephesians, but that's okay, honey. If it's close to Philippians, yeah, that works as well. But um, in studying that, I always learn something new. And so I'm hoping that as we work through the book of Colossians, that you'll pick up something that maybe you didn't know before or something that you can say, hey, you know what? I need to go a little bit further in my walk and this will help me. Or, hey, I didn't realize that and now I need to put this into practice. Because again, as great as it is to study scripture, and again, I am a proponent, study the scripture, study scriptures, study the scriptures. You'll hear me say that over and over again. But if we don't apply it to our lives or it's not applicable, then it's just knowledge. It's just head knowledge. And it needs to become heart knowledge and heart lived. And uh, as Dave James mentioned, although uh, I'm going to put a disclaimer, that's not a Dave James original, just so you know. But our doctrine does determine how we live, right? Our doctrine determines how we live it out. And so doctrine is important. And guess what? The church in Colossae had a problem with some doctrine. They had false teachers. In fact, we're going to hear over and, again, over and over again, that is the main problem. They have teachers that are coming to this church, and they're trying to steer them away little by little, and they're teaching false things. Again, it was the plight of the church in the first century, and guess what? It's still the plight of the church today. There's false doctrine out there, and they love to draw people away, away from truth gets wrapped up into many things, emotions and finances, and you can go haywire, you can go way out, and uh, that's still prevalent today. So a little bit of context, just a little bit. The church in Colossae was actually a multiple churches in a valley. Um, Laodicea is not far from there. There's a group of churches. So remember that we, we get these letters and we think there's only one church, but there's also a lot of small groups but there's multiple churches. And so this letter would be circulated. So it kind of applies to that whole area. And Paul hasn't visited there yet. Paul has not been to the church. So he's writing to them, not having known them personally. So there's a, a go-between. And so we have that person there, and we'll see in Scripture today, and so I'm not going to mention his name now, but there's someone that's giving him information. So he's writing off of that backdrop. So... Paul's writing this from prison, um, his first time in Rome in prison, so it's one of his prison epistles, but uh, this first time is a little bit easier. Again, not that being 
in prison is easy. I even hate saying that, but there's more liberty, there's more freedom. Um, the second time when he's there, he's under much stricter restrictions. Visitors are limited. Um, but here he's kind of like under house arrest. And so he has a little bit more freedom. There's uh, possibilities that he's going to be released soon. But that's where he's writing this um, to this young church. Colossae, that valley, that area, um, is a long ways from Jerusalem. And so there's not a lot of Jews there, but there are some. But it's heavily influenced by the Greek. It's a, a Greek village, and so mysticism and all that is around there. There's a lot going on there um, that would distract from Christianity, but there is churches there. And so that gives you a little bit of idea. Paul, I'll give you a little bit more each week as we go along, but there's a lot of context around it. But that gives you at least some idea as we jump into Colossians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ... Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace and peace to you from God our Father. All right? Paul's opening. We get a, he, he starts right off the bat, right? Paul, an apostle of Christ. We get a couple of things there. Again, remember, Paul is writing to a church he doesn't know, he doesn't have a relationship with, so he's letting them know, hey, I'm an apostle, but I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ. You say, well, okay, that's, Paul starts a lot of his letters out this way. Well, actually, that identification of being of Christ is actually a little clue into this whole letter because Jesus Christ is under attack. That's what the false teachers are pulling away from. And so Paul's authority is saying, hey, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ. I'm identifying myself with Christ, which as believers, we should, and that's important. He writes for Paul. Notice that Timothy is there. Little hint, though, this is not one of the ones that Timothy writes for Paul. We'll see that. If you go all the way to the end, which I'm not recommending that you do, but if you go to the end, Paul says, I write this in my own hand. This is one of the ones that he identifies that he actually wrote this out in his own hand. But Timothy is with them. Timothy is, is his brother. And again, he even said that, my brother in Christ, right? Not the same level as an apostle, right? And again, levels, I hate to use that, but there is authority in the fact that he's an apostle. And so Paul's establishing that. So Paul say, hey, I am an authority over the church, and I can say these things to you in Christ. Yet this church has a good reputation. Look what it says, to the holy and faithful brothers, right? So he's gotten reports. They're, 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 they're holy and they're faithful, right? These two go together. The, the and is really, you, you can't have one without the other, right? can't say I'm holy and, and not be faithful. And again, faithfulness is part of being holy, so they, they kind of go together. But there's a distinction there. He's saying it, it, it's a good thing, and they're not a flash in the pan. They've been there for a while, and they're doing well. Paul's giving you that insight, and again, he's trying to let them know, hey, I know you're a church, I know you're established, you're all right, but you know what? We got we to gotta talk about a few things. Then typical greeting um, for, for Jewish believers, grace, peace, that word shalom, comes out, right? Again, greeting them in the name of the Father. So all that in those very first couple of verses, just to, just to start off the letter, right? Just to, to get them warmed up. I love these next verses here, <clears throat> as we read on in verse 3. It says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all the saints, 
the faith and love that springs from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven that you've already heard about in the word of truth. The gospel that has come to you. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as it has been doing among you since the day that you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. It's a long section, but I didn't want to break it up because there's a lot in there that comes together. Right? Paul's saying, we always give thanks for you. All right, confession time. Sometimes, as a pastor, it's hard to always give thanks for everybody in the church. Right? I know it's hard to believe. I know it's, I know it's right? Think about it. Always, always give thanks. Right? Some of you, do you always give thanks to God for your spouse? Do you always give thanks for your brothers and sisters, your relatives? Church is no different in many ways. It's a struggle. It takes work, right? But Paul is saying that, hey, we give thanks. But what is he giving thanks for? Not for the rotten things that they do or the mean... No, he's giving thanks because of their faithfulness, right? It says your faith. And again, Christ Jesus. You're probably going to get tired of hearing that. Paul's going to say over and over again, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Because you know what? That's the problem that they have. Who Jesus is, his supremacy... Is, is going to be key to this. And so Paul is setting this up, but he says, you've heard of your faith in Jesus and also the love you have for the saints, right? So part of that loving is to be giving thanks for each other, even when we're being difficult. Is that easy to do? It's not a rhetorical question. No, 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 it's not. It's not. We need help. It's a struggle at times, right? But Paul, again, he's, and I've heard these things about you. You're, you're doing these things. And I love the, the, the words that he used here, your faith that, that springs up, right? That love, it overflows, it comes out of you, it oozes out of you. Again, referring to store it up in heaven. This next part is interesting too. It says, you've heard about the truth, the gospel that has come to you. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit. Just came out of general counsel. One of, one of my jobs as pastor um, because we are part of the Christian Missionary Alliance, um, is to connect you a little bit to our denomination. And it's great because we get to hear about what's going on around the world. And at General Council, was down in Nashville. Um, you folks probably don't know it, but you guys paid for me to watch it online. That was an option this year. And obviously it was a savings from traveling and being down there all week. Um, I've been to Tennessee. It's okay. But I mean, I wouldn't mind another trip. But again, it was nice to be able to do it from the comforts of home. But anyways, um, it's great to hear what's going on throughout our denomination, not only in the United States, but around the world. And so, right? Opportunities. And, and Paul is saying the same thing here. He says, hey, this gospel is bearing fruit, right? And again, he's referring to these other churches, not only in that valley, but to, in uh, uh, Ephesus, uh, over in Corinthians. Corinth, yeah, I'm trying to say the Corinthians, Corinth, all these other places, even the church there in Rome, the gospel is spreading, right? How many times we, we kind of get focused in or we get caught in that place of, hey, we're the only one or this is, we're the only one that's struggling with this, right? And we can get that encouragement. One of the things I appreciate about our missions committee, they, they give us those glimpses, right? We saw that, that family struggling to leave New York and, and head over to Thailand. It's not easy. 
I'm surprised PJ didn't mention because she actually went to NIAC and was an ATS grad as well. But um, that's part of her backstory. But that gospel is growing and bearing fruit all over the place, right? They're encouraging signs. Sometimes that's what we need. We need that little bit of encouragement. We can take joy in watching someone else grow, grow in their faith. It says growing in God's grace, right, as well. Verse 7, you learned it from Epaphras. I had to study that word, all right? I just pronounced it. I, I was all over the place. And, and again, if I'm not quite right, you can, can forgive me. But here's the key. Epaphras is the one who's reporting back to Paul. In fact, he's probably the one that started the church. He's the founder. We don't hear a lot mentioned about him, but he's the, he's the connector. He's the one that's helping Paul in his ministry, but he's also letting Paul know what's going on in the area. And so Paul can send letters back and to, to report back. And look what Paul says about him. You learn it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told you of us, told us of your love in the Spirit. All right? Again, we see the word Christ there, right? He speaks highly of him. He's a faithful minister. He also told us of your love in the Spirit. Just a little side note here. He mentions in the Spirit. This is the only time in the whole letter that he mentions the Holy Spirit. Is the Holy Spirit important? Certainly. But again, remember what the problem is, right? The attack on who Jesus is. And so Paul's going to narrow in. He's going to focus in on that, right? If you've got a problem, you've got to fix it. Here's how you attack it. Not negating the Spirit. He's not negating God the Father. Certainly, they're all at work there, and he's going to mention, but the main focus is Jesus. Jesus, for this reason, for this letter. And so he goes on in verse 9. He says, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray that this, we pray this in order that you may have a, a may live a life worthy of the Lord <clears throat> and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. Right? For this reason, right? He starts it off. For this reason, we've not stopped praying. Right? Paul is in prison. He's still limited, right? But what is one of the things that he can do? Pray. Right? I've talked to so many people that are either homebound or in nursing homes and you know, they say, hey, you know, my ministry's done. Even my own father from time to time. I said, Dad, you can still pray. And you know what? I need that. That's a real need. Pray. Right? You, you guys know a few weeks ago I talked about my, my lack of doing that first, right? It's a lot easier if you pray first and, um, and, and God answers and to, to wait and leave that on the end, right? So Paul is saying, hey, pray. We're praying for you. We're, we're praying that God is going to help you. God's going to keep you. We also see a couple things here. The, in his prayer for them, 
we, we identify some, some problems or some potential problems, right? Because we pray for those things that we see that are in need. Fill you with knowledge, right? Again, this is a, a Greek problem, but it can become a problem today as well. But there was a lot of in the, the thinking of the Greeks that if I could get that extra knowledge, that, that wisdom was supreme. It was all about gaining knowledge. Your mind was the, the key. Your body didn't matter so much, but gaining that knowledge. Or I could get that special knowledge. I hear that, that even today I hear that phraseology once in a while. Or another dimension is, is some of the words they use. It's kind of in the new age. But it's still out there. And so Paul's praying, hey, no, I want to fill you with knowledge, but I want to fill you with the right knowledge. Don't miss it here, but it says the knowledge of his will. Again, one of those things that jump off the page is the key, right? Knowing God's will, right? You ever ask that question? God, I, I don't know what's going on, but what is your will? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do next? And so Paul's praying that for them. Hey, that you have knowledge in what it is that God's will is for you. Because guess what? It's, his will is different for each of us, Right? Jesse's path and where God's taken him, his, God's will is different than what it is for mine. And so we're going to do two different things. God has a will for each of us, again, within his plan, obviously, and within his sovereignty, but he has a will and a purpose for each and every one of us. And so we need to get on that page. We, and sometimes we, so we acknowledge, we write, we need to know how. How's that going to happen? And so he expands that knowledge. He says, through God's will, through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. He says, we also pray that you live a life worthy, right? Worthy of the call. Again, don't get tired of me saying this, but it's so true, right? God does care how we live after we're saved, right? It's not salvation, check, and now I can do whatever I want. That's not the life of a Christian. It's not what it says, Right? Over and over again, there is responsibility with our salvation, right? We have a, a life worthy of God. We want to please God. And well, how we do that, there's a lot to that. That's another whole message, so I'm not going to get into it. But, but part of that is the prayer life, reading his word, staying within his will. Bearing much fruit. How many were here a couple weeks ago when I was talking about John 15, right? The vine. We talked about the Holy Spirit, right? We talked about the main reason for that was to, to bear fruit. And if not, there had to be some pruning that would take place. We had to get rid of some things. Colossians, Galatians, they, they're closely related as well. But that bearing fruit, right? So that we can see it. God uses us to do things. Fruit. And so Paul is praying that there will be growth, there will be understanding there will be fruit that we'll be able to see part of that going on. Joe, I don't know how you did it again, but verse 11 really goes with your, uh, your Galatians as well, but your, your prayer focus, right? right? We get weary, we get down, and so we need to be strengthened. Verse 11 says that, being strengthened with power according to his glory so that we may have great endurance. Right? Patience, endurance, hanging in there, going through the tough stuff. And then with PJs, joyfully. That's not, that's not the easy part, right? 
It's not easy to endure, especially when we get weary, we get tired, we get worn down, whether it's physically, emotionally, spiritually. But being able to do that joyfully and giving thanks to God. Again, we mentioned that a few weeks ago, that God is the one who gives us that joy. Joy beyond all of our understanding. There's just so much in here. And then he gives us a hint of where he's going next. Talks about the light, right? The kingdom of lights. And we say as a believer, we don't want to lose sight of our place in glory and what's yet to come. And again, that place where we're not going to wrestle with the darkness anymore. And so that reference of kingdom of light, that gives us that hope, that encouragement. This world is not all there is, right? There's a future that lies ahead, part of the inheritance of the saints. Verse 13 says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Again, he's bringing that, that light into darkness, right? And he's comparing the two and talks about the kingdom of the Son and the redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Where do we get that from? Jesus, the cross, right? That's salvation. That's where we get redemption. That's where we get the forgiveness of sins. Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. And so he's making that point clear. It's through Jesus and only Jesus. All right, buckle up. We're going to this next section. Again, it's, it's, it's a two-part message, but this next section is quite often referred to the, the, the theology of Christology. There we go. There's my two, do- two big words for the day. Um, but it's the study of Christ. If you're doing a study of Christ and you're writing it out, here's, you're going to use this passage. If you've got to write a paper, there are some things about Christ that are identified here that are only, uh, they're mentioned in other areas, but this is kind of all compacted into one. So this is where it really shows who Christ is. And again, it also shows the importance of Christ. Not only for salvation, but for living and how he's been there throughout the ages. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit here, but it's hard because again, it pops right out. But verse 15, Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers, rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. All right? Don't miss this. There's a lot there. And I actually have a list that I'm going to read to you that someone's compiled. But it says, he is the the image of the invisible God. Right? That alone. That's, we get a glimpse, and I say a glimpse, because again, we're only reading about, we weren't here when Jesus was walking on earth, but that's uh, the glimpse of the invisible God. That's, uh, again, the, the shadowing that we can see, setting Jesus up as equal to God. Again, as a Jewish believer, that's heresy, right? If, if you don't believe that, that's, that's heresy, you could be stoned to death. We're beyond that here, obviously, as Christians, but that's the importance of it. The firstborn over all creation, right? He was here before creation. 
We not only get that in John, but we also, Paul refers to it here in other places that Jesus was before. You know, we, we celebrate you know, at Christmas time and the birth of Jesus, but that's just the, the human form here on earth. It's not Jesus' beginning. It began way before that. These are important doctrinal truths because it sets Jesus apart from anyone else. Again, it sets up that he is the only one could possibly be our Messiah, our Christ. Again, Paul's refuting the teaching of the day, which continues on today. There are not many roads to heaven. It's only through Jesus Christ. Talks about creation here, right? It says Jesus holds creation. He holds it together, right? That's talking about his sovereignty, just like God. We, we interchange those, but really, Paul's making the case here. Jesus and God are, are equal in this. They're not separated. They're together in this. Okay, all right, well, that's for all things. We're in the beginning of, the, of time. You say, all right, well, that, I can accept that. I can believe that. And he's over all that, and that Jesus is that part. But what role does he have with us today? All right, he, he died on the cross over 2,000 years ago. Now, now what is there? Verse 18 will show you that. It says, And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. Right? Christ is supposed to be the head of the church. And I say supposed to be because it's not the case in every church. But here's what Paul is saying. He is over the church. Again, it's not just one church, it's the churches. And we see in Revelation that all, not all the churches make it. And churches have problems, right? I know it's hard to believe because we don't have them here at Pointway. Amen. <laughs> Thanks, Tony. If you only knew. No, I'm just kidding. But it's true. Churches have problems. We don't always get it right. Things happen. People don't always do what we expect them to do. We don't always follow Christ. We don't always do what we're supposed to do. And so we have struggles. But if Christ is at the head, it will endure. Right? And it's got a pretty good track record, right? We still have church today. Right? It's amazing. And again, that's only through Christ that we have the church that has survived. Think about persecution, governments, people, yet the church has survived. Christ has to be in charge of it. He has to be the head. Again, we don't always get that right, but that's who should be the head of the church. He's the one. Reference here to the firstborn among the dead, right? Jesus is not a dead God. He's a risen Savior. He's alive. We're going to celebrate that in a few minutes with communion. Again, we also have that hope of resurrection ourselves, right? That we might have supremacy, right? We, we have eternal life. It's a reference to that. Verse 19. I'm not going to go too much further, but just a little bit more this morning as we kind of pull it back around and wrap it up. But for God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. 
God the Father was pleased. And again, all the, the hymns and so, but it says this here are, are references to Jesus, obviously. And again, it, it's pretty clear. And so, but it says his fullness was within him. Right? Jesus was fully man and he was fully God. That's a key doctrinal thing. That, that, that's important to our faith. Right? That he is fully man and fully God. He had the fullness. And, and Paul is saying that he had the fullness of God dwelling within him while he was here on earth. And then this reconciliation. It's a great word, right? We have this problem as sinners, right? We, we can't get to a holy God. There's no way on our own that we can get there, right? But how do we get there? That's the problem. How do we get there as an unbeliever? Through Jesus Christ, right? He paid the penalty on the cross. We couldn't do it on our, on our own. We can't live without sinning. We need the redemptive power of Christ. Key doctrinal positions. And again, Paul is setting up, he says, you need to know these. These have to be foundational to be a believer. I use this illustration. I, I told someone, I can't remember who I told, but there's an old pastor's illustration, but it still holds true. It's not a Charlie original. I don't want to take credit for it. I'm not that bright. I couldn't come up with it. But the bankers in the old days used to look at a $50 bill, right? And they would study it. And then they would have their tellers look at the $50 bill, and they'd study the original $50 bill. And the reason they did that was because people that were making money, counterfeit money, were changing all the time, and there's all sorts of differences, and it's hard to keep track, and you lose sight of the original. It's the same thing for us taking that. If we study the original... Look at God's word, the doctrinal truths. We go back to that. We'll recognize the false teachings. And Paul is laying the basis here. Hey, if you get these, you're going to be okay. You're going to hear when that false teacher says, well, well, Christ was just only a man. Or Christ was just a teacher. Christ was just a good guy. Or all roads lead to heaven. All those things are false. And if you know God's word, that's going to keep you on the original. That's going to keep you okay. You're going, to, you're going to be able to survive that and say, you know what? I'm, I'm rejecting it. That's not true. No, that's not quite right. Or your view of Jesus is not right. Right? It does go through the cross. And so doctrine is important. And so um, as I mentioned, there's a list someone's compiled and I'm just going to read some of these just so that you understand how important Christ is to our faith. It says, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. I said that in verse 15. He's the firstborn of creation. He's the originator of creation. He's the goal of creation. Uh, the sustainer of creation, he holds it together. Jesus is the head of the church. He is the firstborn from the dead, right? He's the resurrection. He's the hope that we have. He's the preeminent one. He has the fullness of God. He's a reconciler of things to himself. And lastly, again, this list was put together by Dr. Tom Constable. He's the maker of peace. The maker of peace. And if we have our life in Christ, we too can have peace. Peace with God, peace with others, peace within ourselves. And that's what Jesus wants for us. 
Bow with me, please. Well, Jesus, we just thank you so much for this morning, and we thank you for your word, which continues to sharpen us, continues to help us to grow. Lord, the, the gospel is so needed to a lost and dying world. And Lord, let us not forget that you are the one that makes it all possible. And Jesus, we love you and we praise you and we thank you for the opportunity that we have to come together as believers in Christ. And Lord, may you be the head of this church body, Point Way Church, right here. May you continue to lead your people, continue to reconcile relationships, continue to draw people to yourself. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, your pastor's not losing it. He didn't forget last week that we were having communion. Uh, I just thought with Dave James being here, um, and again, it's just a nice opportunity for family, I wanted to give him kind of maximum time. And so we're going to do communion on the second Sunday. And you know what? I've checked, checked with the elders. It, it's okay. It, it, it's all right if we, we don't do it on the, the same Sunday or every Sunday. We, we, can, we can move it around a little bit. And so... Uh, we are going to do communion this morning, and it works really well, obviously, with what we're studying, right? Because this, we're remembering what Jesus did for us. Um, if you're visiting here with us today, our table is open. Uh, it's not a members only, or you have to be baptized. Again, we do ask that you, comes with caution and warning, but we do ask that you do do it in reverence, right? Scripture warns us of that, and so we take that seriously, and um, Paul's writing says, Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks of the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sin against the body and the blood of the Lord. Does a man not to examine himself before he eats of the bread or drinks from the cup? For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. And so what we like to do here at Point Way is just take a moment, right where you're at, just close your eyes, bow your head. It's just between you and God. And just make sure that you're right in the right spirit, in the right mind, in order to take communion. So we do that now, and the elders come. Ask Bryce if he'll give thanks for the, the bread and the, the juice and what that represents. God, thank you for the juice of bread and your body broken for us. And the blood for
take out your cup from below with the bread in it. It says, from what I received from the Lord, what I also pass on to you, the Lord Jesus, on that he was betrayed, he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Goes on to say, in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, and he said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this, and whenever you drink it, Remember me, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. As reminded uh, by the fact that we still have cups and bread left over, that there are still people out there that don't know Christ. And so I want to encourage you to maybe pray about who you should talk to this week. And if you struggle with that, striking up a spiritual conversation, come out on Saturday uh, at 9 o'clock and you'll get some tips and some hints on how to do that. And again, it's not so much the, a formula, but just an opportunity to help you to, to bridge that gap between a normal conversation and work it into a spiritual one and how to share Christ uh, with those around you. But like I said, we have extra, so it would be good to have more folks here with us in the upcoming weeks. So.